we're talking about the love of the Father. It's Father's Day, and you know, there's something that happens in a house when a father gives himself to the Lord. Something happens to a family. In other words, when the fathers, you ever got, you guys remember like in the 90s, Promise Keepers and all the men like gathered here in Washington, D.C., the great effect till a bunch of crazy stuff happened, but the great effect upon families and upon the nation. And so, you know, uh, we love mothers. We talk about mothers on Mother's Day, so I'm focusing on fathers. And so um, my favorite, current favorite passage of scripture concerning, see, I'm going to be a better preacher, aren't I? Be more honest. My current favorite passage of scripture, excuse me for one second. I have not stopped that from spinning, and it uh, annoys me when it spins. Okay. Is uh, from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. And I'm going to read, starting with uh, verse 14, we'll read down through verse mm, probably 15. <laughs> this is Carpenter, uh, S.C. Carpenter's translation of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Now, if you're not praying the Ephesians prayers in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3 on a regular basis, hopefully a daily basis, but at least a regular basis, you ought to be praying these prayers because these are prayers that were given by the Spirit of God to Paul to pray for the churches, the believers at Ephesus. And these are Spirit-anointed. They are anointed of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, you can pray for a car, you can pray for a house, you can, you know, uh, pray for safety, you can pray for a lot of things, but these affect you at the core of your being. And if you get affected there, if you get, Ephesians 1, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ and in the knowledge of God flowing, what does that mean? Well, Amplified says that the eyes of your spirit would be flooded with light. Well, man, if the eyes of your spirit are flooded with light and the spirit is the core of your being, it's the source from which all true life springs from in you, well, that will affect every area of your life. You know, when we're talking about being a father, it'll affect how you parent or what kind of father you are. Was it Paul that said, uh, you have a lot of teachers, but you don't have many fathers? So you can at home, you can teach your children things. In church, you can teach, you know, uh, I hesitate to say it because people get really weird about it, spiritual sons, quote unquote, things. But you understand the, the thrust of that scripture, that you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And there's something different about how a father interacts with you and how you interact with a father. Now, sometimes growing up, I mean, the greatest example we have of a, of a father is God himself, the dad of dads, the father of fathers. But sometimes growing up, your example of a father uh, was not like God, and it was different. And so as we, as we look to the word today, I encourage you, look to the example of the perfect father, God, God our father, God your father. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, in Carpenter's translation. In the meantime, as a prayer, I dare say you sometimes wonder how I think about you. It's Paul speaking. You know that I care for you and am interested in all that befalls you. Above all, I desire your growth in grace. I pray constantly to the Lord for you, and this is the method of my prayer. 
So if we're going to be a father and we're going to be uh, concerned and we're going to care about those that were to father, well, then one of the greatest things that we're going to do is we're going to lift their name before the Lord. We're going to let their name be heard by our voice in the heavenly courts because there is power in that. I love, I love how John Wesley said, it seems that God can do nothing in the earth except someone first ask him. In other words, God is seeking for expression in humankind. In other words, he wants, even you get full of the Holy Ghost and the word of God says that the spirit himself will give you utterance. He'll give you words to speak. Why? Because he wants words spoken. Because as soon as something is spoken into the earth realm, into the atmosphere, into your life, God can confirm his spoken word. He actually watches over his word to perform it. So if we're speaking his word and he's watching over it to perform it, what do you think is going to happen in our life, in our relationships? Well, we're going to have his word show up in our life. In other words, manifestations of his word. A lot of people want manifestations of the spirit, but um, the word and the spirit agree. And the Holy Ghost uh, will not tell you anything that he doesn't first hear. In other words, he's not going to say anything that's outside of the word of God. Okay. Above all, I desire your growth in grace. I pray constantly to the Lord for you, and this is the method of my prayer. I kneel on the hard floor of my little chamber, and I send up the thoughts of my heart to the great Father of all. I summon up, now listen to this part. I summon up my recollections of my own father and what I know of your homes and all the happy homes I have where I have ever been a guest. And I multiply it a thousand. I add something here. He says 10,000. I say, no, no, 10,000. Because I, I can just picture, you know, you're, you're, you're there, you're on your knees before the Lord, and, and you think, oh, my father. And then you think about your own father or the other happy homes, not just like some, some unhappy. I said there's some fathers that don't act anything like God. They act like the devil. All the happy homes. So I think, father. And then I say, I multiply that a thousand. No, 10,000 fold. And I enrich the conception with all that I can imagine of what fatherhood must mean in heaven. In other words, he's saying we have just a... I don't even know if you can call it that in comparison to God the Father, but let's just say you could. We have a glimpse in an earthly father of what our heavenly father is like. But he is so perfect in all of his ways, all of his thoughts, all of his motives, all of his actions. Everything that he does is full of his love, which means it's not centered on himself, but it's centered on others. In other words, he's not there to get. He's there to give. He's not there to take away. He's there to supply. He's not there to diminish. He is there to multiply. And so one of the things that I love about my Father God, and it's a dangerous message to preach because you can't ever express everything. I think even if you say it in tongues, you can't say everything. But one of the things is I don't care how difficult of a time I'm going through. I don't care how big of a mistake that I have made. I don't care how confused things 
my, my, my mind may be with circumstances. When I go to him, he speaks to me like no one else in existence. His words are full of confidence, full of love, full of boldness. If I need correction, they're full of admonishment. But even the admonishment is an admonishment with a hand of fullness of vigor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like he goes on here to pray. Paul goes on to pray that God would strengthen us in our inner man. And so when the Lord, and we talked about it actually a little bit this morning, I think it was, in, um, in the pre-service thing. And uh, do you ever notice you get in the word and the Holy Ghost lights it up? Or you're in the presence of God and he speaks to you. And of course, it's according to the word. And all of a sudden, you see yourself, or maybe a better way to say it is, you see your actions under the shadow, well, there's no shadow, under the light of the word. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I had no idea. I thought, I, I thought that was like kind of okay. And you're like, that is completely unacceptable. That's not even in the realm, you know. You're like, Lord, forgive me. Why? Because you start to see real truth. A real reality. And then you don't, you know, from that place, that's not a place of defeat. That is a place of surrender. That is a place of saying, okay, Lord, <laughs> you got me again. <laughs> now you got me, but I see so clearly. My life is in you. My help is in you. My hope is in you. My strength is in you. My future is in you. In other words, it's all about Jesus, and it's all about me living the life that he purchased for me, which is his very own life. I love Corinthians. My paraphrase in Corinthians there is he took our death so we could take his life. So he took away all of the bad things, all of the pain, all of the sickness, all of the oof, you know, junk so that we could have all of his goodness, and he didn't deserve any of the, any of the things that he took. But he freely took all of our sins and all of our, I like to say, proclivity to sin, our bent towards sin. The Bible calls it iniquity. In other words, like, well, my family, they just do this in my family. It's just a trait in our family. You know, I don't care if you want to call it a generational curse or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jesus himself set us free from all of that. And I think one of the most uh, disturbing uh, revelations that you could possibly get is, I'm free from that, yet I'm still doing it. Romans chapter 7. Well, that's uh, not the subject today, but I'll set you free just real quick. That's because your mind has not been changed, and your mind controls your body. And if you do not renew your mind with the word of God, your mind will side in with the strong desires of your flesh. And so you will find yourself doing all these things, and you will say, like Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. Because why? Because if you were a non-believer, it would be a lot easier to do that because you don't have someone on the inside that says, eh, I don't really want to go there. Uh, that's not the right way. But when you're born again, most frustrated people you will see are people that are born again but do not act like it. Now, that is not uh, a ticket uh, to live by works. That's a ticket to live 
by the new creation on the inside. And if you live by your recreated spirit and you allow your recreated spirit to become, uh, to live, what do you call it? Uh, what's that word? Um, to live um, vivified or with life uh, in tangible form through the word, well, you, you'll just have an amazing life that you will laugh. And if you're my personality, you'll really laugh. Like that God could do so much through you. Because why? Well, because you find yourself doing all kinds of things you would never do. And saying all kinds of things you would never say on your own. Why? Because it's not your life anymore. It's, it's the life of Christ. You know, I was in worship, enjoyed the time of worship. You know, thank you guys. And uh, most of all, thank you, Holy Ghost. And, um, but thank you for yielding, flowing. And, you know, I'm there. And it just rose up in my spirit. My life is over. It's all his now. You know, when you say like, uh, you know, I'm not really doing this for myself. Uh, my motives are to honor him and to yield to him and see him glorified. And really just to be with him. You know, and the more you get with him. You know, if you're really with him, you know, if you actually get into the presence of God, um, if you're full of joy, and if you love, you, 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 all of a sudden you see people different. It, because what happens? The love of God that has been poured into your heart by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, makes the things of Christ real to you. So you have this love. All of a sudden it becomes so real and so tangible. And if, if you know, some people, oh, I've been in the presence of the Lord, and, you know, well... I think it's an indicator if you have, if you're full of joy and you have a heart for the lost. You know, lots of other things happen in prayer. But I mean, those two things are the heart of the Father. Well, one's the heart of the Father, and you know, Jesus had the oil of joy above his fellows, and, and the word tells us in his presence is fullness of joy. So it's not going to be like all, you, you have serious times, you'll have laughing times, you'll have dancing times, you'll have crying times, you'll have you know, sobering times, and you'll have, you know, uh, the, the Lord has a personality. And he has a sense of humor. I mean, just look, look at he made us. <laughs> so it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Or you could say it's no longer I that live, but it's the anointed one and his anointing that lives inside of me. Well, why is that significant? Because Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. Jesus, the anointed one who carries the anointing or who, who is the anointed one of God, who is the Messiah of God. And all of a sudden, if it's not you that live, but it is the anointed one and his anointing that lives inside of you. Well, that means you've been rubbed on, smeared on, and changed from the inside out, and you have an Function from the Holy One of God. In other words, what does that mean? Well, I know what to do in this situation. I know what to do in that situation. Not from my head, not from my flesh or my feelings or my emotions, but I have someone on the inside who's speaking to my spirit, and that spirit's lighting my path. Actually, uh, Psalm 80 said, I'll light your candle so that you'll uh, walk through a troop and jump over a wall. So you may see like I got this wall. How can I go through this? What can I do? Well, you get the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life 
which you have the anointing. You just may not be conscious of that anointing. But you learn that you have the, the Holy One and you've been rubbed on, smeared on. By, you know, it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you and lives inside of me and lives inside of every believer. And so if you are conscious of that, if you are conscious that greater is he that's in you, not here, here. If you get conscious of that in your inner man, well, they that have done exploits and turned the world upside down have come over here too. Because why? Because it's not you. You're just a vessel that has chosen to yield to him and to give your life. You know, Romans, was it Romans uh, uh, 12? Where is it? Offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, an NIV translation, which is not my favorite translation. But in this it says, God bless the NIV. Um, in this it says, which is your spiritual act of worship. What does that mean? Well, how we live our life indicates uh, and, and displays and is a worship to the Lord. In other words, uh, one person defined worship as to draw near as to kiss. And I love that, that imagery because if you, if you draw near as to kiss, like if I'm drawing near to my hand to kiss, um, you're like completely open, completely vulnerable. I like to say if I was doing that with my wife, she could like smack me. Oops, sorry, sorry, Jeremy. She could smack me upside the face and, uh, you know, she would get a good whack in there because I'm not expecting that because I'm coming open and I'm coming... Uh, to give. And I'm coming to offer uh, an intimate part of myself to the person that I'm kissing, which I just kiss my wife and my kids. And so worship is to draw near as to kiss. <laughs> and uh, you come to the presence of the Lord, and uh, you come that way. You come to give him something, not to get something. You always walk away with more than what you came in with. I mean, I've had lots of pressures, different points in my life, probably not as many pressures as some of you, and maybe more pressures than some other ones. And uh, man, I, I get in there and I want to be like, Lord, I need this, I need it. But something on the inside just says, you know what? Worship me. Uh, put all that aside. I legitimately put it to, to the side here. And every time I've had those, do you know? And, and I, I legitimately put it to, to the side. Like, okay, Lord, I'm not going to talk about this at all. And you get in the presence of God, and you're just like having a wonderful time. And all of a sudden, like a flood, answers. And you see clear, and you know clear. I mean, you ever gone out to dinner with somebody, and no matter what, you cannot pay the bill? Like, they're always like, oh, give me this, give me this, give me this. God is a giver. He, he always is there to give. He's always there you know, somebody said, well, you talk about worship. He's like, worship me. I need worship, you know. Build up my ego. No, no, no. You're thinking like a man. Like the disciples said, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, he's like, no, no, no. You're thinking earthly. You're thinking realm of time. Now, the realm of eternity, everything that happens in the unseen actually affects the seen, not the other way around. And so, um, so the disciples are thinking natural. And, um, you know, if you think natural, 
uh, concerning those type of things, well, then you'll, you'll get all confused. But actually, when you respond and you connect with the Lord out of the real you, from that place, your, your, your vision, your world, what you see will be changed and will be affected. And it's what happens in the unseen. Remember, even, even concerning evil things, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, generally, people get... Uh, consumed by those things because of strong desires of the flesh that they give into, and they, they, then they open themselves up to that. In other words, what's happening? If your mind is not renewed, you are going to live a, a natural life. You're not going to live a supernatural life or a spiritual life. You will live a natural life, yet being a spirit being in the likeness and the image of God, a child of God with the power of God, and with a call of God upon your life to fulfill. But you will not fulfill it because you are walking as a mere man. Jesus, it said, grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, Jesus was not a little boy who knew all of the scriptures and knew everything. He had to grow and to learn. And well, if Jesus had to grow and to learn, I suppose we have to grow and learn. And so uh, the thing is, Jesus was just perfect about everything he did, but he still had to grow and to learn. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think like, you know, you see pictures and stuff like that where Jesus healed this little bird when he was five years old and he healed a squirrel when he was such such an age. And that's all kind of cool to think about, but that didn't really happen. Like when the anointing came on him after he was baptized in the River Jordan, the Holy Ghost, the same Holy Ghost that comes on us or in us when we're born again and comes upon us when we're baptized in the Holy Ghost, the same spirit, the same tools, the same equipping that Jesus had, um, God gave to us through Jesus Christ. So that why? Well, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto the Father. And so we have no less equipment and no less tools. And, um, you know, God is good all the time, and his ways are good. And um, his thoughts toward us are not limited to what a natural father would think. In fact, Melody, I appreciated, you know, she said that scripture this morning. If you know how to good, an earthly parent knows how to do good things for their children, how much more will our heavenly father do for them that love him, for his own children? He's made us uh, sons and daughters. He's made us his sons and his daughters. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 12. Romans chapter 8, verse, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as, now, now listen to this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That means God is our Father. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We've <laughs> but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, we have not received a spirit. In other words, we have not become, when we receive Jesus Christ, we have not become slaves to God where we're in bondage and servitude and you have to do this, you have to do this. No, no, We've been brought in as sons and daughters. I, I, and, you know, I'm so glad 
I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Not that song. I'm so glad that the Lord gave me that illustration like two or three years ago now with my daughter, and you're going to hear it again. And you probably hear it again and again and again. But you know what? I heard Brother Higgins' stories like so many times. And I still hear them, and I still get more light. It's amazing. But we're at Hilton Head, and we were just there a couple weeks ago. And um, they have bike paths all over. And the beaches there are, the sand is like so packed that you can ride your bike on the beach, especially when the tide goes out. You've got all this space and little tide pools, and it's just a really fun time. They have bikes you can rent and all that. And so we're riding bikes, but then they have these bike paths that are maybe like uh, probably eight foot wide. And they go uh, along the streets or along uh, South Beach and North Beach especially. And so that's where we like to ride. And so you cross all these side streets. And um, so we have four kids, and um, we like to have, I'm in the front and Melody's in the back, although this year I said, how about you be in the front? She said, I don't want you to be in the, I don't want to be in the front, I want you to be in the front. And so we didn't have an argument, but, so I always ride in the front. So I rode in the front again this year. But uh, about, uh, I think it was the first year we went there, so it would have been three years ago, um, Evie kept going past me, and she would go in the front. She's my oldest daughter. And so she kept going in the front. And I said, Evie, uh, you're not supposed to be in the front. You know, and then Mama said, "Evie, get out of the front! Get out of the front!" You know, because you know she's not as conscious of the cars. She was younger at that time; she would have been um, probably eight or nine years old. And um, so she's like, she has such a sweetheart. And so she's like, "I'm so sorry! I'm so sorry! I'm so sorry!" And we're like, "It's okay. Just don't be in the front." You know. And sure enough, we start riding. She's in the front. Say, like, "Evie, going in the front." I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I keep going in the front. I keep going in the front. I'm like, it's no big deal, Evie. Just just like, stay back here, pay attention. You know, we're just trying to be safe. And um, sure enough, like, this is, th- these are happening maybe like two minutes apart. This is not like a long period of time. It's not a long bike ride. And she goes in front, goes around and goes in. I said, Evie, she's passed. And she's like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't, I don't do. I'm like, well, don't act like that. And so I said, pull over. Let's all pull over. So we pull over. I said, Evie, I said, you're going to keep messing up and you're going to keep failing until you change your heart because you're just listening to the words that I'm saying, but your heart is still to be in the front. So in other words, your heart is not deferring to dad. You know, your, your heart, you're just like, well, I just want to do this. And you, you're not, you're letting that want dominate you. But you have to change your heart and say, I want to do what daddy and mommy say. And so I want to do that. And so she changed her heart. Well, then... No problem whatsoever. But she's still a human. So like 15, 20 minutes later, she went again one time and I said something. And she, oh, yeah. So that, you know, the unclean spirit's gone out of a man. She didn't have an unclean spirit. But it's the principle of how the devil works. <laughs> he walks through dry places looking for rest, can't find it. He says, I'll go back to where I was at. In other words, yeah, you know. Uh, healing is true. Man, healing's true. Glory to God. I don't care what is happening in your body. Uh, the power of God uh, uh, coming in contact with your body will cause that limb to grow, will cause that cancer to leave. Will I mean, you, you are redeemed of the Lord. And, um, you know, he has made provision for every area of our being. But, man, you get healed. Well, you better pay attention. It's not a scary thing. It's a matter of you're looking to the Lord. Because two weeks later, that very same thing may come back on you. Or if it's something like a cold or a flu or something like that, one hour later, that thing may try to come back on you. In fact, the principle of how the devil works is he'll try to come back to where he's been pushed out of. And he'll say, like, uh, uh, let's see if they believe what they actually say they believe. 
In other words, he'll put same symptoms, same pressure. It'll feel the same, or it'll feel like you're under the weight of that thing. And that's where he gets most people. I remember Brother Hagin and another minister were talking, and they said, you know, more people lose their healing through a counterattack than any other one thing. Now, that may be strange language in today's uh, culture, but what, what he means is, it's not so much that people don't receive healing and aren't healed, but they go, they go uh, healed, and all of a sudden, this thing comes back. And I mean, I can't remember how, I mean, I've seen it in people's lives. I've heard him tell the stories. It's, it's amazing. I mean, just things that, you know, somebody might be like a headache or a sniffle. Well, like maybe I didn't feel it a second ago, but now I feel it now. No, no, no. I'm talking like people could not walk, and they walked for a week. And then they said, well, I guess I was never healed. Because they so live in the natural. So live in the natural. And um, so, um, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we can expect to be led. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So when we're born again, we're not, we don't become slaves. Now, Paul said, I'm a slave of the gospel to live according to it. Why? Because as soon as you see, you know, um, if I give you a bunch of rules, that's not going to make you live right. That's going to make you fail more and more and more, like my daughter. So I say, Evie, don't do this. Evie, don't do this. Uh, apparently, I didn't realize it, but I should have said at the beginning, hey, hey, how's your heart on this? I've, I tell my children when we discipline them, I say, I'm more concerned about your motive and your attitude than I am about your action. Because if I can get your motive and your attitude, if those are correct, actions follow. Then you're just living the life. It's easy. Somebody that's not born again, they think, well, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to give up uh, sleeping around and I don't want to give up drinking and I don't want to give up cussing and all this other type of stuff. Well, what happens when you're born again is you get a new nature and you don't want to do the things you used to do. And so it's not a matter of, uh, it's not a matter of uh, that you're going to want to do it. You're not going to want to do it. And, um, but what we do is uh, natural flesh tries to say, like, I have to do this. Okay, I'm supposed to do this. Okay, this is what daddy said. So, um, okay, so I'm not going to go in front. I'm not going to go in front. I'm not going to go in front. But, but I want to go in front. I'm not going to go in front. And then I'm in front. But all of a sudden, when you make that hard adjustment, all of a sudden, it naturally flows out. So now, instead of doing works to gain daddy's approval, you're just living by what you have in your heart. It's so easy. So your actions just follow automatic. So you're kind of like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not in front. That's cool. Because this is where daddy put me. This is where dad has me. And so um, I love that illustration because um, I think most of us can see our picture there at different times in different situations. It's real easy to get into, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And, um, you know, um, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I want to get so much further. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say this. You know, um, Brother Hagin was um, with another minister and. um preaching at his church, and that minister wanted to go to a pastor's conference. And um, so uh, he's like, would you like to go? And he's like, well, when are you going to go? He's like, well, I'm going to go today. You know, it's like so many hours away, and then we'll go to this thing, and we'll be back in time for you to minister tonight. And he's like, well, okay, I'll go. You know, I'm alone in the hotel and stuff like that, so I I'll go. 
And uh, so he went, and man, and it was a good pastor's meeting, and then they went, and he wanted to stay for the afternoon session, which they had not agreed to stay for the afternoon session. They were going to go, but he's like, well, I really want to hear him. So he's like, okay, okay. So he stayed, man, then they're like leaving as soon as the session's over in order to have time to drive back to where he was uh, preaching so they could have time to, you know, preach. And they were so late that this minister is in Texas and not like Virginia, because in Texas, the shoulders of the road are like as big as a lane, you know, that we drive on. So they had these huge shoulders. And so this guy is just like speeding and going around cars, going up on the shoulder, going on the grass. And Brother Hagin's like, I was scared. He's like, I wanted to pray and meditate on my message, but I couldn't do that. I had to pray just to survive, you know? And so he's like, oh, all frazzled. And he's trying to, you know, so I appreciate this so much, this story of him. Uh, a lot of times you go to minister and there's any number of things that try to distract you. So all of a sudden, you know, he's trying to, you know, meditate in the word and pray. And he's just like praying for dear life. So finally they get there and he runs over to the, the uh, I guess the pastor's house to get a fresh tie on and wash his face real quick. And the service is already going and he's spitting and sputtering while he's tying his tie. And he's like, Lord, I can't believe, you know, I shouldn't have gone. And what was I thinking? And why did I do all this stuff? And you know, so he's getting, a, I guess, a fresh shave, so he's shaving, and the Lord said, um, and then, oh, he had announced, actually, before that, uh, it's Friday night, he said, it's stretcher night, so I want, like, the worst cases, anybody, like, paralyzed, everything like that, and he saw uh, two ambulances were already pulled up there when he pulled up, and he's like, oh, and plus, and then I, I announced stretcher night, and now it's going to be all this type of stuff, and, uh, and the Lord said, well, were, were you planning on healing him? And he said, well, no, I wasn't. He said, the Lord you know, spoke to him just the inward witness. Well, don't you know, I know that you wanted to study and you set time aside to study. And he's like, if you'd have been unfaithful and not diligent, not doing what you're supposed to do, that's one thing. He's like, but, you know, uh, don't you worry about anything. And sure enough, those stretcher cases were healed, completely healed and set free. So sometimes we get under that load and we think, well, it's all, it's all me. And I've got to do all this stuff. No, no, it's all on him. And we have to yield to him. We have to give him access. You have to make room for the Holy Ghost in your life. We try to make room for him in our lives, in our services, but you have to make room because the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, uh, just schedules will drive out what the Lord wants to do in your life if you don't pay attention. It's kind of like humility. It doesn't come automatic. You have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. He will raise you up. But God is not just a far-off being that wants our subservience, but he is a father that has chosen to live inside of us by his own spirit. He lives in us. He leads us. He guides us. He strengthens us. He comforts us. In every situation, the big and the small. So I don't know what you're doing this morning, where you're at, what's going on in your life, but I do know him who is the author of life. And I do know the way he looks at you and the way he thinks about you. And he doesn't deal with us according to our actions. He doesn't deal with us according to our mistakes, but it deals with us according to the actions of his son and the perfection of his son. 
Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if God is not your Father, I want to invite you this morning to receive Jesus Christ and God will become your very own Father. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He cares about you. He knows what's going on in every thing in your life, the big and the small. If you're here this morning, you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. After you're born again, Jesus said to the disciples, wait until you be endued with power from on high. And this he was speaking of the Spirit. There is an experience afterwards called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. When you're born again, you receive the Spirit of God, you're recreated by the Spirit of God, but there's an experience after that called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you have not received that and you'd like to, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that your word would be so precious to us that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, hunger and thirst for what you have done for us in Christ, hunger and thirst for revelation knowledge. Father, that we walk not as a person that's not redeemed, but we walk as your ambassador. Father, that you give us opportunities this week. You show them to us and you give us boldness to act. Father, to show your love, your life, your healing, your freedom to the world who doesn't know, to believers who maybe don't know. Father, that we walk in your very best and we walk out your plan. Father, I ask that you'll strengthen us even as Paul prayed in our inner man, that Christ may live, make his home settle down in our hearts by faith. Father, that we are your headquarters, that he lives and moves and breathes and has his being in us, that we may be acquainted with your love, that we may know that love that passes all human knowledge and human understanding, that we being filled and flooded, that we may know the height and width and breadth and depth, the full extents of that love, that we may be filled with all of your fullness, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness thank you that you made us your sons and your daughters. You adopted us into your family. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. Father, I ask that you expand our capacity to receive all that you have done. That we don't live short or with less than what you, your son paid for. Father, that we live in the fullness. We thank you that you're good and your mercies are new every morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.